Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Welcome to this 107th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's good to be with you. Thank you for joining me and giving me a little bit of your time I want to welcome you to the podcast and say this is going to be an interesting episode. Who can say that we're not living in absolutely bizarre times? Doesn't it feel like everything is just popping off and we're it's like we're sitting on a powder keg. Tensions are palpable, and everything just keeps compiling on to everything else. We deal with one situation, and before it's gone, another situation arises, and before it's gone, another situation arises, and before it's gone, and and now we we're, we basically everyday normal human lives have now caught up with the 24-hour news cycle. So, from the beginning of time up until the O.J. Simpson trial, more or less, in the 90s, you had the evening news and you read the newspaper and you found out what was going on once a day or twice a day maybe, and, and it took weeks for you to find out things were happening. And then the 24-hour news cycle took over and people could find that. And then social media became a thing and people could find that. And I feel like this is the point where in history we're going to look and say, we've started merging with the AI because we are now living two separate lives. We're living lives in the real world and then we're living lives on social media. And it's just all so very strange. We are all living in each other's lives 24 hours a day. When something happens, we all know about it almost instantly. We all have opinions. We all share opinions. We all have thoughts. We all share those thoughts. And the news, of course, is piping in what they want us to know, what what they think we should know, what they're allowing us to know. And it's just very hard for people to make decisions without worrying about what Facebook is going to think about it and what these people are going to think about it and how it's going to interact with these people and what's going to happen with this situation. And I just don't think it's healthy. I just, God, I just see, I see everything that can be so good about it, but at the same time, I see everything that can be so, so wrong about it. 
Okay, so before we bring today's guest on and before we get too far into the topic today, which it is an important topic, it's very timely, I do want to take this opportunity to ask that you all share the show with everyone you know. Let them know we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. Of course, the easiest way to find us is simply by Googling Bilberry Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. We can also be found on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilberry318. The conversation over there never ends. And we would love to have you connect with us over there. Uh, that's that's the goal, is connecting and bringing people to the platform. We have a large audience that we love to interact with on social media, through email, through calling and texting. And I believe in my heart of hearts that that's what makes this platform and the show good, is because we have a large group of people and we all have differing ideas and opinions. We're not all the same person. We don't have all the same ideas, thoughts, and feelings, and viewpoints on the world. And because of that, we're able to get a wider range of thoughts and feelings here, and that's really really what I'm what I'm looking for. So that kind of then segues into the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Of course, in episode 106, which I covered the cost of inaction, I talked about George Floyd, the African American man who was killed by a police officer and other police officers stood by as it happened. All right, we talked a little bit about that, and I tied it into inaction to deal with corruption. I talked about how it was tied to what's going on locally and how there's a systemic problem and what we can do or should do, and we looked at what happens if we do nothing, and I asked, what is the cost of inaction? Well, since then... Everything has basically exploded. There have been large protests in almost every major American city. A lot of those protests then that were once peaceful devolved into riots, and we've seen the burning and pillaging of whole downtown areas there's been a lot of damage and a lot of hurt. There has been destruction. In some cases, there has been death. But then in other communities, we haven't seen that. And one of those communities is the local community here in East Central Indiana, Muncie in Delaware County, Indiana. Muncie has saw three or four different protests, and each one of the protests were peaceful each one of the protests were attended by many, many people. The largest one just happened on Thursday, just a couple days ago, on Thursday, June 4th, and like 4,000 people attended that protest. They marched from the Ball State University campus to City Hall, and it was a powerful, powerful message. After the protest was over... Nobody rioted. Nobody broke anything. I, I don't believe anybody went to jail. And 
I just find it very refreshing that this large group of people, black people, white people, Asian, straight, gay, Indian, every person that you could imagine was there, and everybody had the same goal. Now, we can argue and debate the different tactics that are taken in various places. We can argue the merits of what the protest has or doesn't have. We can, we can argue what the possible demands are. Or we can talk, is this a case where there are some people who don't even know what the demand is? Okay, obviously... It's for better treatment uh, of, of minorities. It's for, for racism to be seen and to, to end, of course. And I don't know anybody who says they're not for that. I think that there's a lot of people who, who act as though racism doesn't exist. And I think if you act like racism doesn't exist, you're an idiot, because it clearly does, and there are clearly issues, and there is clearly a need for there to be a conversation about this. I am the conservative who says everybody should get a chance to go after the same pursuit of happiness. We should all be able to work hard and try to build something of the American dream. Now, I don't believe anything should be handed to anybody white, brown, black, and anything in between. But I believe that we should all be allowed the same opportunity that our founding fathers were given. And that simply is the ability to be able to work hard and attempt to make something. There are going to be failures and not everybody's going to succeed. Life is hard. Life is tough. You have to bust your ass to get to the head of the class and you have to work hard to keep it once you get there. Nothing is handed to you. Nothing should be handed to you. Whether you're white, black, brown, whatever, that that doesn't that is racism in and of itself. If you give one color something else because you're afraid the other color might do it, that that's not the, that's that's bad too. But we all should be able to have the same liberties, the same freedoms. We should be able to feel like we can move about unmolested and that we're not going to be killed because we're being pulled over for a random stop. Uh, a speeding ticket or or whatnot and we all just need to learn to be able to work together and to talk together and to be able to communicate i feel like everybody's so concerned about pushing for their opinion to be heard and they demand that their opinions heard look look you don't get to demand that you get your freedom of speech and you get to say what you want to say and you better make it good because there's nothing that says anybody has to listen to what you're saying or anybody has to give a damn. It's, it's just simply, that's not part of it. You get the right to say what you want to say. You better make it good because the attention span of people today is simply not that long. And if, if it's not good, they're tuning out and it's done. That's why the protests that we're seeing, when they're protests, when they're peaceful protests, they're great because these crowds that are assembling peacefully, like it says, 
is showing, hey, this is something we care about. We're not going away, and this is not this is not okay. This is what we think, and this is what we feel, and it's hard to ignore. Now, when it turns into the riots and they're looting, and and you've got you've got white Johnny who's attending the riot just to get a TV, then that's a problem. That has nothing to do with George Floyd. That has nothing to do with police brutality. And that has nothing to do with with this cause. That is just being a criminal just to be a criminal. So... In just a second, we're going to be joined on the phone by an organizer of the largest protest to date in East Central Indiana in Muncie. We're going to be talking with Connie Prater. She is a 19-year-old Ball State student who was heavily involved with the most recent protest that occurred on Thursday, June 4th, 2020. It was a protest in which thousands of people attended. They listened to a couple speakers at their starting point. They then marched a couple miles up to City Hall, and they listened to speakers there as well. The protest was absolutely peaceful. The protest cleaned up after itself. And when the protest was over, folks dissipated. They went home and... No one went to jail. No one went to the hospital. No one was hurt. Nothing bad happened. Muncie deserves a pat on the back. The citizens of Muncie, Delaware County, and maybe surrounding communities that came into Muncie for this all deserve a pat on the back. The organizers of this protest deserve a massive pat on the back because they didn't just act. They wanted to open the lines of communication. So they reached out to leaders in the community and they said, look, this is what we want to do. We want to be heard. We expect you to hear us. And those people in those leadership positions said, whatever you need. We are willing to help you. We want to make this go as smooth as possible. And by all accounts, it did. It was fantastic. It got the point across to the police. It got the point across to the local leadership, the local political figures. And it showed those in the community that this is able to happen here in Muncie. And they're not going to burn anything down to the ground. There's not going to be violence. That this is all part of being an American in America using your God-given rights. So, in just a few moments, we're going to be joined on the phone by Miss Connie Prater. We're going to be talking about her thoughts and feelings surrounding this incident with George Floyd. We're going to be talking about maybe some of her experiences as a young black woman in Muncie. We're going to be talking about how the protest was uh, brought about and what the future holds. But right now, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 107th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury, and we'll be right back. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. 
Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. Perception. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined on the phone by Miss Connie Prater. Connie Prater is from Muncie, Indiana. She is one of the organizers behind one of the largest protests that we've seen to date in Muncie, Indiana. The protest that occurred on Thursday, June 4th, 2020, uh, had thousands of people in attendance. The protest started on Ball State campus. It started at the Bell Tower on Ball State's campus and uh, they had some words there and then the crowd marched from campus to the Muncie City Hall, which is not a major distance, but it's it's a couple miles. Um, and so it was an awesome sight to see. I was in the crowd and marching with them, and then I had a, a friend pick me up and took me to the front of the crowd, so I was able to... Uh, video the crowd marching through and all of that video you can find on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilberry 318. It was an amazing thing to see. I, of course, was in City Hall parking lot as the crowd then started coming into the parking lot. And at one time I, I thought the crowd was going to be too big for the parking lot. I was, I was really amazed. But uh, we are joined on the phone with Connie Prater. So Connie, how are you doing? doing good. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. So I, for the last couple episodes I've done, I, I've had people wanting me to talk to someone who has been involved with uh, the protest. Obviously, at first we were seeing them in uh, Minneapolis. Then we were seeing them in other communities. We saw them in, in, in Indianapolis and then there had been a couple protests in Muncie, and I thought they were good-sized crowds, a couple hundred people. But then Thursday's protest was was amazing. And so, um, obviously, and this is uh, <laughs> this is audio, so I want everyone to know that Connie is um, obviously a member of the Black community here in East Central Indiana. Um, so. Tell us a little bit about just your your thoughts or your feelings surrounding the experiences that you've had in your life. I mean, let me ask you this. Uh, in 2020, racism is still alive and well here in America, correct? Yes, very. Um, and, you know, you, like everybody else, have heard the stories of the issues with uh, police, not only across America, but... Uh, also right here at home in Muncie, correct? Yes, sir. And so what What was your thought when, obviously, all of this has started over the uh, incident in Minneapolis surrounding the 
just god-awful, horrible death of George Floyd at the hands of, uh, in my opinion, several police officers who either the gentleman who was on his body kneeling on his neck or the police officers who stood around and did nothing. What was your thoughts about that when you when you first saw that? When I first saw the video, I didn't want to watch it. I just, like, read the comments and stuff. And I seen a whole bunch of people talking about it. But I finally, like, watched the video, and I was just, like, in shock at how calm the officers had seemed while he was just had his knee in Mr. Floyd's neck. It was just crazy. I and mean, everybody around just acted like it wasn't happening, like the other officers. You could hear him, like, screaming and calling out to his mom. It was just insane. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I've said I, I've now watched it probably I don't know maybe maybe two hundred times. I've just I've watched it. Um, I, I'm I'm a former police officer. I've uh, had experience with defensive tactics and defensive tactics uh, instruction. Um, that's that's not anything that I have ever heard of or, or or known as a technique to use uh i'm a bigger guy i would never in a million years think that i should ever lay my body down in a way that i am kneeling with my knee in somebody's neck that just seems that seems absolutely insane and you're right, right. The, the the thing that i noticed was the length of this video uh and that's what i said if, if i was the prosecutor in this case what I would do is I would bring in a CPR dummy and I would have the police officer who is charged now, the former police officer, and I would call him down off the stand and I would have him recreate that very situation. I would have the CPR dummy in the middle of the floor for the jury to see. I would have that man kneel on that CPR dummy's neck and I would play the audio of that tape and I would play it for the whatever nine minutes eight minutes and 40 some seconds that it took because that is a lifetime uh, you know I, and I noticed that for you think about eight minutes and that's not that's not a whole lot of time but the mm -hmm. other day at that protest one of the things that you guys had everyone do was kneel down and then there was a moment of silence for that amount of time and while that's happening, it feels like a lifetime, and and it, it is. So uh, that is definitely something that I would do to allow the jury to just feel how just god awful that is. So so you've watched that, and and you know what what was the sense in your community, your friends, your family? Uh, what what was the you know. What what were you hearing from others in your community? Uh, well, I talked about it with my friends and family. It was mostly basically the same thing I was saying. Like we were just in shock that this was still happening, and that there was even question on whether or not they were killing, like killing him, whether or not they killed him. Uh, I think they had said something about him having a pre-existing condition, and that's what killed him. And we were just like, how, like. It was just insane. <laughs> That's what we were just talking about the whole time. Right, right. Well, because, so I think since what's come out is they said that he apparently had had the virus. He had had COVID-19 at some point, or or maybe right. he did then, but he was asymptomatic. I, I, I know that it's been said that he had, uh, 
he had meth in his system or he had fentanyl in his system or both. Uh, and, and I want to be very careful that people are aware there's a difference between being actively high on meth or heroin or fentanyl uh, uh-huh. and having it in your system. Uh, I mean, as most people know, you can smoke a joint today and you're not going to be high two days later, but if you take a test, you're still going to have THC in your system. And the same thing goes with meth or fentanyl. Now, I looked at those videos and he certainly did not act like somebody who was on meth. Uh, you know, the folks that are on meth act in a certain way. Did he have a problem with addiction? Uh, maybe so. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, does someone having meth and or fentanyl in their system lead to death? Sometimes it does. Uh, I can tell you it definitely leads to death if somebody's kneeling on your neck while you have it in your system. So I, I don't think that those are two. I don't think that those are two points that really have anything to do with with each other. Uh, you know, yeah, someone no say again. I say, yeah, there's no correlation. Yeah, right, right. There's no correlation between there. Now, I think someone might have said, well, you know, maybe he was resisting. Well, you can say what you want to say, but but the video shows differently. He was handcuffed. He was by the car. Get your ass off of him and get him in the car. I mean, everything, every action you take as a police officer when you go hands on is to get compliance. And I'm not going to say that there's not been times that I've had to go hands-on with somebody. That, that, of course that's happened. I've been in fights a lot of times as a police officer. But as soon as the subject is compliant, it's over. It's, there's, there's, there's no, you don't continue for good measure. Well, here's one more. You, you stop and you get them in the car and, and you're done with it. And then you do your use of force and, and you move on. And most use of force is justified, but that was just absolutely insane. So obviously, uh, I think that when this came out, I was aware that there would probably be unrest. There would probably be protests. Um, what what was your first i mean did you instantly think at that point hey we need to do a protest or you know at that time were you just kind of seeing cuz it it didn't happen here and I, I don't i'm not trying to downplay it because of that but it, it didn't happen here so were you know at what point did you start to notice that these there were protests and things like that going on um i think it took about 2 or 3 days for me to notice all the impact it was going around the whole entire world. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, it didn't happen in Muncie, but I just think, like, Minneapolis can't be the only ones that are speaking about this because it's not just happening in Minneapolis. That's sure. just the most recent one. Sure. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, and it's it's no secret. Um, there were just back, uh, honestly, right before COVID nineteen hit, uh, there were just uh, three, two or three police officers from MPD who were arrested uh, by the FBI and federally indicted on federal yeah. charges for police brutality. Now, I believe in that specific instance that. The man was a white man, but there have been instances of police brutality, obviously, on members of the black community. And 
Um, you know, I, I think that anybody would be blind to say differently. Uh, Muncie definitely has its issues uh, and has had its issues for a while. Hopefully that it's it's being cleaned up and hopefully things are being put in place and different um, different checks and balances uh, are being put in place to to stop that. Uh, but, you know, I think that it's good to let people know how unhappy uh, folks are with these actions. So the, let me ask you this. Did you attend any of the other protests before Thursday? Yeah, I attended the one on Saturday and Monday. Okay, okay. And what did you yeah. think of that protest? I thought it went well. We had um, the mayor there and the chief of police. Uh, the chief of police has spoke a couple times and the other like elected officials, but there weren't like a lot of people of color there. That's what I noticed. Yeah. So I was like, it was a good event. Like It wasn't bad. It was really good. But I was like, there's so much more potential yeah. that, we, that most we can have. Yeah, I believe before Thursday's event, there were two different protests. There was one that right. occurred on the uh, county building little plaza there, and I noticed that there were probably, I don't know, I would say maybe two, 300 people there, uh, maybe 250 or, or less. And it was that, that one I noticed, it was a pretty good mix. It was like maybe 50-50. Uh, the right. one that occurred at City Hall, uh, I do agree with you. There, t there, there appeared to be more more white people or 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 people of other various colors, uh, you know, Indian uh -huh. or, or or Asian or whatnot, uh, other races races uh, there. Um, and I was, I mean, that's good to see. I, I'm happy to see that, and I agree with you, but. Uh, I definitely, I definitely agree that there, there appeared to be um, room for uh, definitely more from the uh, black community to, to get involved. So, at what point did the idea for the uh, this, the most recent protest on Thursday with all the people? When did that start to come about? Um, after I went to the protest on Saturday, I had talked with a friend about. Um, organizing a bigger one. But after I was doing that, I saw that one of the basketball players at Ball State, Ishmael Elmay, mm -hmm. he, um, he had already like started organizing. He came up with the idea too. So I asked him if I could join in. And then we made a group chat with another three other Ball State alumni. And we started planning from there. Sure, sure. And so did you have any idea that it would be that big? Not at all. When we were first, like, brought it out, we thought it was mostly going to be, like, our, our classmates and stuff. Because we're, like, Ball State students. And sure. Being from Muncie, I know that Ball State and Muncie don't, like, really collide very well. Like, <laughs> right. it's, like, two different worlds. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so... I mean, as it as it was growing and as it was getting uh, closer to to Thursday, uh, I mean, when when you're standing out there and you're seeing more and more and more people uh, pour pour in, what I mean, what what was going through your mind? When we were up on the stage on Thursday, and we seen like people were, like trickling in at first, but then like out of nowhere, like groups of like fifty plus were coming outside. And 
we were all just standing there talking. We were like, this is crazy. Like, we didn't think it was going to be this much at all. Right. Like, we knew it was going to be tiny bit. We were expecting, like, 500, maybe. Sure. But I think the records have said that there was maybe 2,000 plus. Sure. And that was just that was crazy. It, that, that's that's definitely crazy. While while you were there, because I saw that the uh, the mayor and the uh, chief of police was there, and, and there were others. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to talk with the mayor? I didn't speak with the mayor. I spoke with him as the one on Saturday. Okay. When he was there, but I spoke with the chief. Okay. And and what what did you think of of the of the chief of police's um, his thoughts, I, I, obviously, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into your private conversation, but what did you, I mean, h- how do you think, do you think that he, he heard you? Do you think that he's sincere? H- how do you, how do you feel about what, he, what you and he, what you and he talked about? Um, with him, like, being so, like, responsive and cooperative, cooperating with us throughout the whole entire process of that the chief for Monty, um, I think he hears it and he understands that he wants to help. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good, that's good. And so you guys walked. We, we, I, I was there, obviously. We walked to uh, to City Hall, and mm-hmm. then there was another little gathering, and there was some more speaking there. And uh, like I said earlier, you guys did the um, whole moment of silence that lasted for the entire time that the incident was occurring. And I think that's right. very very powerful. Um, then the same thing happened at this protest that happened on the protest on Saturday or Sunday and then happened at the other protest on Friday. And that was everybody left, everybody went home, everybody picked up their trash, there was nothing left behind, you could not tell anybody had been there, uh, and there were no arrests, nobody was thrown in jail, nobody was damaging anything, nobody was fighting, nobody was looting, nobody was burning anything down. Um, I was very proud of how Muncie was able to come together and uh, do what it did and show you know, the world, show Indianapolis, show the state of Indiana and, and every anybody else that was watching that you are able to come together using your First Amendment right to, to protest, to, to peacefully assemble, and, and actually peacefully assemble, and then go home. What do you think is different about Muncie that we were able to do such a thing uh, and not have, uh, you know, any major incidents? Um, I think ours is that we actually, like, reached out to UPD and NPD and asked them to help us with the event. Okay. Uh, having them on our side helped a lot. Like, I think other protests that have happened, they just organize a protest within themselves and then go. And that, that makes the police, like, on edge. Like, they don't know what's going to happen. But we sure. contacted the chief, both chiefs, and we talked to them, gave them our plans, our groups, and they were like, okay, we're going to help you cut off the street, we're going to help you in any way we can, you just let us know what we do, and we'll do it. Sure. And so do you do you see that as a – I mean, obviously that's a good thing, that they're, they're willing to have communication with you. It, do you feel that they're willing to open the door, and do you think that, you know, for example, if, if – and, and hopefully there's never anything that ever occurs. I think that that's a little short-sighted to, to believe that that's the case. I think in the nature of, of policing, I think that – 
sometimes there's a difference and, and you're you're not unreasonable you understand that sometimes in the heat of a moment something might happen and there's a difference between something being uh you know a terrible mistake uh versus something that is an overt action to try to hurt somebody but if god forbid there is something that happens within the community in Muncie in Delaware County that do you believe that the officials here would be responsive to sitting down and talking to leaders in the community of the black community that that would want to be heard? I mean, what did you get that vibe from them in in setting this up? Definitely. I think the city of Muncie wants us to be a family. I can tell that like when we were speaking with the chief and then we reached out to other like officials within the community, they all seemed like generally concerned and wanting to help. Absolutely. Like, uh, must be come together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. And so do you, uh, I mean, let me ask you this. You've, you're, you're, you're obviously not 60 years old, but you, you've been here <laughs> for, for nine, you know, you're 19 years old. Do you, have you felt that way always in the past? Or, um, or, or not really. Okay. Um, I I went to elementary school my elementary and middle school, but then after that I switched to Yorktown. Like Yorktown's still a part of Muncie, but it's really not. Sure. <laughs> so when I went there, that's probably when I first experienced like it, my eyes were actually open to the fact that there's racism in our city. Really. Yeah. That's when I first got it. Okay. Okay. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. And so, I mean, you, that, that's, that's good that you, you know, hearing from somebody, um, you know, that, that you feel that there is at least the possibility that the door could be open. Let me ask you this, is this done or do you, or do you see more, um, are there more protests uh, lined up. What 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 happens next? Uh, we're definitely not done. Me and my team aren't done. We have other things planned coming soon. And I know that one of the other organizers that we had combined with, Jamil Smith, he's also planning something soon. I think next week he's planning something. Okay. Okay. We're, we're not done with this one mark. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and so there, there are people out there, and I think that there are people who mean well and are are legitimately asking. And then I think, of course, there are probably um, assholes that are just being assholes that are asking as well. But I, either way, it's the same question. Uh, I think there's just a little bit different intent behind it. Uh, let me ask you, what are you, and, and this seems like a very stupid question to ask, but but just bear with me. What are you hoping happens through these protests? What are you hoping to, what, what is your ask? You know, normally when you have a protest or, or you're, you're fighting something like this, there's a list of demands or, or, or different things. What are you hoping that this achieves? Um, Obviously, for like overall, like the whole entire nation, everybody wants justice for George. But within Muncie, I think all we're asking is for them to continue to stay on our side and to um, hear us out. Like we do, we don't need closed-minded police officers or anyone who doesn't. Like we need like mutual trust within each other. We don't have that right now. 
sure. there's still people who still have that F the police mentality. And we want to like bring everyone together and show them that must use a community and we're a family right. rather than being the city people of the city against the police officers. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so there's, there's more planned. Let me ask you this. Do you, have you talked to anybody else from any other communities? Have there been any ideas? And if not, I guess, let me, let me offer that. Uh, as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, uh, you know, I would very much like to see a protest that was able to be conducted Going to the Indiana State House, letting the Indiana uh, state senators and state representatives see the same same type of thing. I think that everybody's focusing on marching to the county building and going to the city hall, which is great because the police are able to see that and the local officials are able to see that, but... Just coming from my side politically, you're wanting, in my opinion, if I was leading, if I was leading your group, if I was leading a uh-huh. protest, if I was wanting to really do something to make change, I would appoint a couple, two, three, four people in the community. Uh, you know, it might not be a bad idea to reach out to those. Uh, folks that are in maybe the law profession, lawyers, and 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 uh, maybe maybe specifically get lawyers, uh, you know, uh, lawyers of color, and have them have them with you and make a protest that's designed to go to the state house so that the legislators can can see and hear, and that the the demand there would be. We want your leadership to sit down with our leadership, and we want to talk about how we can change laws in the state of Indiana. Because while the city council can affect resolutions and ordinances, and the county commissioners and county council can deal with you know resolutions and ordinances there, it's the state laws that have to change you know to do this or that to really be. Um, a big push for for change for what you're wanting, and so I would I would one say uh, hopefully that's something that that could be worked out uh, at, at some point. But uh, has all of this? Let me ask you this: before all of this, were you were you civically minded, or you know, were you interested in? Because this is this is a very much a political deal. Were 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 you you know interested in this kind of stuff before, or is this cropped up out of this? Well, my major right now is criminal justice. So okay. It's always been, yeah, it's always been on my mind. And then my mom is a politician. She's actually running for Congress right now. Oh, yeah. J- Janine? So uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's just been around. Okay. Okay. That's that's cool. So, I mean, you think, what what did you, what do you want to do with a criminal justice degree? Um, hopefully become a homicide detective. Oh, really? Oh, really? Like a, yeah. There's that, a lot of unsolved cases. Like, oh. Absolutely, absolutely, that's great. So, do, do you you are you, do you want to be a cop here in in Muncie? I'll probably start in town. Yes, either Muncie or Indy. Okay. And then work my way up. Okay. Okay. That's that's uh, that's that's really cool. I, I think that's I think that's amazing. 
uh, I, you know, I, that's, that's definitely, it's, I always say that being a police officer is the absolute best, best, uh, job in the world. It's, it's a tough job and it's definitely a tough job, uh, today. I mean, to, in, in today's world, it's, it's definitely tough. Right. There's, it's, it's, it's like walking four or five tight ropes at once, all in different directions. And so it's definitely tough, and it needs uh, bright, uh, bright people uh, and um, driven people there as well. Um, well, very good. Let me ask you this. We're, we're just about out of time here, but is there anything that you would like to say uh, to, to anyone that we haven't covered, uh, any kind of message that you would like to convey. Again, I want to say that I think what you guys have done has been amazing. Uh, it was a massive, massive protest. There were a large amount of people there. It was, it was very awesome to be in the center of the crowd and hearing the, uh, the crowd chanting, especially when we got down uh, in, in front of Bracken Library with, with the crowd chanting and it echoing off the buildings was just absolutely yeah. amazing to me. Um, but, you know, for, for anyone that's out there, that's in in the whole. Um, may, maybe they don't see all of this. What you know? What do you have a message for those folks? Um, this is for the good, not the bad. We're not here to like tear down the city. Obviously, we're here to make a change. That's our main focus. So I'd say if you haven't came out, come out and just see. We have more events coming up. Be on the lookout. You're right. And thank you for everyone who's been supporting. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. Let me ask you this, just in ending, because that's one of the things, and, and I, I saw this the other day, that when when folks say Black Lives Matter, and you get you get the, the people who say, well, all lives matter, back and forth between that, one of the things that I saw that was interesting was that someone said, when we say Black Lives Matter, we're not saying white lives don't matter, or all lives don't matter, we're just saying Black Lives Matter dot 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 two you know uh, right. and it, i mean do you do you agree with that i mean you're not you're not saying black lives are are, are superior to I- anyone else it's just we want a seat at the table as well exactly that's exactly how it feels absolutely uh yeah black we just saying black lives matter because we're the ones being attacked right now right Right. If we want someone being attacked, we'd be on board with that all lives matter unless there was another group that was being attacked and we'd be on group on five too. Sure, sure. Well very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking with Connie Prater. I I always say that wrong. It's not Prater, it's Prater, correct? You got it. Yep. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, I tell you what, uh, I, I will definitely continue watching what's going. Uh, you are welcome to come on at any point. If you guys um, have another protest, I would definitely like to uh, be kind of kept in the loop. I'd like to maybe come out and record yes, some there and uh, definitely uh, see see where this goes. I think you guys have done an amazing job. I'm very proud Thanks. at the way that Muncie's come together and was able to do this and again do it without 
uh, rioting and doing it without damage, and nobody went to jail. And so I think Muncie, um, the Muncie citizens who were there, white, black, brown, yellow, whatever your deal is, if you came down and you were part of this, you should be proud. I believe that you guys who organized this should be very proud of, of what you guys achieved. And uh, I, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you. It was absolutely my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that again was Miss Connie Prater speaking to us about the protest. If you want to get active, if you want to get involved, if you want to attend these events, then please, please watch my Facebook page. I am keeping up to date on all of this information and will put this out there. We will be following this, and this is something that we all need to at least be part of the conversation because everybody deserves at least the same freedom and liberty and the chance to pursue happiness that everybody else gets. But it it takes a lot of hard work, and we all have to be willing to do that. That's what it means to be an American. That's what it means to love liberty and freedom. You're listening to episode 107 of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this 107th episode of Perception is Reality. Thanks for tuning in. I want to give a special shout-out to Connie Prater for joining us and talking us through the protest. Remember to share the show with everyone you know. We can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. Simply Google Bilberry Podcast. Check out Merch is Reality for some of the most amazing merchandise. And as always, stay active, stay involved, be safe. God bless, and I'll talk to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.